Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming outside me today. Today, we're doing episode two of the Average Jack Archie podcast. Thank you so much for coming along with me today. We have one of our special guests from all the 50 states. We have John Heikamp from the great state of Indiana. We're going to have a great conversation today talking about over-the-counter elk tags to Colorado, chasing whitetails here in the east, as well as potentially some saddle stuff. So, John, thanks for uh, being on the podcast, bud. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Yeah, man. Anytime. I'm glad you're here. Glad. And again, if you want to be part of the podcast, please do send an email to averagejackarchery at gmail.com, as well as hit me up on the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, as well as YouTube. You can go ahead and leave a comment or send me a DM there. And I'm just trying to do this as a podcast tour of the 50 states, interviewing those of you at home who are just like me, the average archer, the average hunter, and I want to hear your stories and your questions and your ideas and your process about how you got involved in the sport of archery and archery hunting. So, John, wild and crazy. You're headed to Colorado for over-the-counter elk, and you're doing it with a bow. So I think my Mm -hmm. first question is for you. Do you feel that your current setup, your bow, the poundage you shoot, your draw length, your arrow, the broadhead you're using, do you feel that that easily transfers from the whitetails you're hunting in Indiana out into Colorado, or are you changing things up? Um, well, it's certainly not what I've got my largest deer with. I think, like we talked earlier before the podcast started, my largest buck's like 139 point. Um, field dressed, he was like... a buck 90 i think mm-hmm. on, but but yeah i had a full passer on him with a 410 grain arrow with a swacker on the front and um actually the the reason i've changed my arrows set up so drastically is that same arrow i hit high on a mule deer doe about five years ago and i got this much penetration yeah and two inches like, yeah something's wrong there um so yeah no the i've done i i'm kind of a youtube addict whenever it comes to all the information and i really like guys like you and guys like the ranch ferry and um to some extent um oh what's the uh the guys who do a lot of white tail diy they're real big though but they're still youtube down to earth guys what Um, the the hunting public hunting public thank you yeah 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 and then even like uh, Garrett Weaver on point, I listen yeah. to his stuff a lot. But a lot of those guys that aren't real big, I've learned a ton from you type you because you guys bring the content that's valuable. I mean, right. Levi Morgan's got a lot of good stuff out there, and some of it's helpful, but he doesn't go in depth. Like he's, he's it's very surfacey type stuff. I know from listening to other stuff, he's extremely knowledgeable, but he doesn't put out that kind of content. He's very, he yeah, and he's very limited in, you know, with his yeah. TV show, he's got a half hour time slide. He's got to fit in a whole length hunt and he's got to fit in this tech tip and fit in all the 27 commercials and everything. Yeah. His time is very limited. The guy's a wizard. And so is Danny McCarthy and Darren Christianberry and Nathan Brooks, but they just don't have oh, yeah. the time on their shows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, back to the arrow, I am running a victory VAT 250 at, 29 inches with a 110 grain uh, ethics insert and a 150 day six Evo X. Total arrow weights right at 590. And are you finding like, are you finding that with your switch from that 410 to 590? I mean, obviously your sight pins have changed, but have you noticed things like your bow being quieter, 
Have your groups gotten better or is it kind of just been the same? Um, the bow's definitely quieter. That's, that's obvious. Um, and I've, I've kind of switched bow brands and the more I shoot bows, the more I think as long as you tune it up, it doesn't matter which brand you got X, Y, Z, in my opinion. I would Um, agree. Especially, especially if you're like me and you're not buying flagships every year. And then when you buy a bow, you watch reviews and buy like a bow that was new two years ago from some guy that took care of it. Right. Um, that's kind of my strategy. But anyway, um, yeah, the bow got definitely quieter and it was weird because with the lighter arrows whenever i'd shoot the reaction i got from that particular bow is that the bow almost wanted to jump forward on my hand a little bit mm-hmm. and when i switched to the heavier arrow it almost felt like when i shot the bow was pushing back at me instead of right. falling forward right very different response i mean yeah so that's one thing too if guys are buying looking at flagship bows in the bow shop um you get asked the bow shop if they got a few different grain arrows because of something that's 350 is going to feel a lot different than 550. Right. For sure. Right. So yeah, there, there's that too. Um, but yeah, so that's the, that's the, uh, setup I'm running. Um, and the, uh, and actually the day six guys, I can't even, I literally have him saved on my phone as the day six guy. Yeah. But um, I sent him an email and it must have had because I got my um, my work signature on there. He had my phone number, and it, there's like two guys that own Day Six, and he just straight called me, and we talked on the phone for like 45 minutes. Right. And like mm-hmm. five minutes was that was about just my what I was wanting, like the question I had, like which I can't even remember what it is now. And then the rest of it was just him just making sure that I'm uh, that I'm bear shaft tuning and everything to make sure everything flies right. Um, Cause yeah, they, they, they produce broadhead. I mean, I'll, I'll just call a spade a spade. I mean, it looks a lot like an iron will, but is it, it's, so it's a double bevel. It's not um, a single yeah, bevel. It is a okay. single, it is a double bevel. Sorry. Okay. It is a double. Yeah. Um, but the, the main difference is instead of having like straight lines on the cuts, it's got, you know, uh, a rounded cutting edge on the main blades. I see. And, um, the bleeders, the bleeders, a little more robust, but they're not as big. Um, it's really that broadhead compares most to the um, to the um, serrazer. I would say, well, okay, with, before, before the serrations, no serration. Yeah, the black, but, the black hornet from Magnus. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. black hornet. Yep, yep. So it's got an inch and a quarter main cut with a half inch bleeder. So the bleeder. Oh, so a little it's bit real. More. Yeah, real thick mm-hmm. bleeders. Then yeah, yeah. yeah I think the and, I think the black hornet's seven eighths, but still, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I've got like like eight different types of broadheads in my in my yeah. box, and I don't think I've I honestly I've I've killed something with like one of them. <laughs> I just yeah. tinker way too much. I know, but um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So that that's the setup. The, the real difference between that and the Black Hornet is the the grades of steels better. Um, the thing I like about it more than the um, Iron Wills too is that it's still a stainless. It's just a really high end stainless, so I don't have to worry about rust nearly as much. Sure. Um, yeah, and and with the, I I have yet to try to sharpen them yet, but with that like curved edge, I did uh, get the sh- sharpening wheels from Valkyrie. Yeah. And I think I'll be able to sh- sharpen it really well with the paper wheel on that. I've got some fixed three blade VAPs and I, I uh, sharpened those on that. And yeah, they got scary sharp. Yeah. Plus they got like me- a mere finish on them. I could like see myself as pretty right. cool. Right, right, right. Real nice. But yeah. 
I want to go back to your bow thing here because yep. this is something I think people have been getting hung up on recently. So you're talking about how you're buying. So first of all, what is the bow that you're shooting? Um, I, I, I've got a backup bow that I shoot a lot and I've got my main bow. That I shoot well, a lot. I've got like four of them. So it's no, there's no shame in that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I got a bow shop that got me onto prime years ago. So I shoot yeah. a CT3. Okay. Um, is that's my main bow. And then I have a, um, an elite option seven that I bought a while ago and I can't get myself to sell because even though the draw cycle isn't what I really want and the, um, and the, uh, grip isn't perfect. I just keep hammering arrows with that. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Well, this, so this is, this is what I wanted to get to this whole two different potential bow thing, but also, so did you buy these brand new or were these a used purchase? Nope. Uh, one of them was a bow that I bought off my local bow shop, but it was the owner's personal bow that he okay. had had for a couple of years. That was the elite. And then the other one was an eBay purchase, which is kind of a roll of the dice, but, uh, things things looked okay and i mean i i got that ct3 that's one thing that's weird with the primes is they just don't hold their value but they're not no. they're really nice bows they're mm -hmm. really nice bows the main problem they had is because they had the draw specific cams cams so if you're gonna buy one of those make sure you really know your draw length right um but um i purchased that ct3 when it was just a year old um, and it came with a Hamski Trinity on it for like six fifty. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the flagship it was like I think it was eleven hundred new, and then I ended up getting like a what two hundred dollar rest on it, and it was it after it was just a year old. So yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. this this is something. So like in in this is you know so you're you 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 beefed up your arrow because you kind of knew I needed to change. I needed to make that that difference in that, um, you know, increase your pen, you know, you're going with the super micro diameter with that victory VAP. Mm -hmm. You're going with a lot of FOC there. You're talking, uh, what, 260 grains up front with that 150 and the 110 insert, right? I think it's what you, yep. I, down here. So you knew uh, you yeah, needed FOC to be right at 19. Yeah. Okay. So you got, I mean, you're, you're almost, I mean, you're like 60 grains away from street legal Ashby. I mean, you're, you're going to blow through, you're going to blow through, you know, particularly at Indiana whitetail, but I think mm -hmm. in particular, you you're not going to have a problem, but you didn't feel the need with your bow setup to go blow the doors off on buying something that, you know, I, I need this short axle to axle thing, or I need to be shooting. Like, so what poundage are you shooting? You shooting 60, 70 pounds or even lower? Yeah, I'm 30 inch draw, 70 pounds. Yeah, so I mean, it's not like you were like, oh, I need to go out and be Cam Haynes and shoot 80 pounds, this, yeah. that, and the other thing. You've had really good experience with that. So, in terms of the the buying the used bow and and enjoying it, were those things like let's take for example the Prime because that was something you actually got your hands on first before you you bought. Yep. I'm assuming you did and you put some arrows through it. Um, was that something that was like elite. just? I had the Elite first. Oh, the elite first. I'm sorry. That's yeah, right. Right. Yeah, the elite no, first. Was that something that you were like, gosh, like I don't, I, I, it's not perfect for me, but it just works. Or was it, or was it a, was it a purchase? Like I need a bow and this bow is available and I need it now. Yeah, it was, it wasn't that I needed it. Yeah. I, I, I like to kind of 
like I said, I like, I guess at my heart, I'm a gear guy and I like to watch different videos on different bows and stuff. And that one was real close to the specs because my thought with myself having a 30 inch straw, I don't need a five inch brace height, you know, and that one specifically was a seven inch brace height. And, um, and he had told me before, he's like, man, this thing is just a tack driver. And he's like, and it's pretty darn fast for being a seven. So, cause you know, you're a guy, you, even if I, I had a 32 inch straw, I still don't want an IBO bow of like 310. It's just a dude thing. Like, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> want to man up a little bit, you know? Exactly. But, um, but I got that thing and, um, and that was one thing that it was interesting cause he, the shop owner was, had a 28 inch straw. Um, and he's like, Hey, he's like, I'll sell you this bow. I think I got that one for 400 and it had some brand new, um, rogue R21 strings, which is like a $200 string. Yeah. It's like very comparable to the gas where it's just a single color. It was like a white strand. And it's, I've been actually really impressed with those strings. Cause I, I've shot it a lot and I've had it for over two years now and the string looks great. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's just it's holding up for the money. I know you got videos on cheap strings and they're great, and that and that's fine. But yeah, man, I'm I'm telling you, some sometimes too, investing in something like that, like because at this point, if I'd shot that bow and I just put you know basic strings, I would have put three sets of strings on it already. Potentially, yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I made the video about the cheaper strings, and they're yeah. perfect for somebody like my wife who shoots. Yeah couple times a month she doesn't bow hunt she just target shoots they're great but i don't have a single complaint about my winner's choice strings that are on my all my elites like i don't have a single and they're like almost a 200 set but i yeah. i get and i do thousands and thousands of errors a year you know i'm getting i'm getting a year and a half two years at least out of those winner's choice so yeah it does pay to, to have the the more expensive set and in particular this is what i was kind of circling back to with the used bow thing like if you looked at it and you're like, okay, it's got good accessories, the strings are in real good shape. And that kind of helped you sway. Like, yeah, that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. Because if you're looking at it, you're like, ah, it's 400, but I'm going to need to buy new strings. The accessories kind of suck. Yeah. You know, this, that, and the other thing. I don't think you probably would have made that purchase. Yeah, pro- probably not. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't specifically the one I'm looking at. I've still got one bow out there that I really want to get my hands on and try. That's a Bowtech Realm X. I want to, because I've never heard anything but good things about that one, except that it's a Blowtech and it'll probably explode in my hand. But yeah, I've also but, got an old Bowtech thing out at home too. Yeah. And it hasn't blown up on me yet. So knock, knock on wood. You know, I feel bad for Bowtech too because it was like just like two or maybe three years. They just had a bad limb manufacturing hiccup. I don't know if it if it went from out of house to in house and there were issues or in house to out of house. I don't know what it was. It's all been resolved since like 20, yeah. gosh, probably 2014, 2015, it's, or 16, maybe yeah. at the latest, it's been okay. But yeah, they still have the Blowtech uh, uh, background to them, which is a shame. Yeah. But uh, yeah. and but it's, they make really the good one I've got, Yeah, the one I've got is like a 2011 model. It's a Bowtech Invasion. For somebody who's just a hunter, it's great. It'd be oh, great. yeah, yeah. It's got a seven inch brace height. It's a 30 inch axle to axle. So it's pretty, it's my, it's my, uh, ground blind bow. And actually for the tech guys, it's 31 inch axle to axle. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's a great little bow, but I'll tell you, I being kind of a heavy DIYer, but not willing to pay for expensive bow crest. I can't even pronounce what it is, but it starts with like S Y something. Yes. I've got that pronounced. 
and it's an awesome press. I've, I've on my old Prime. There, here's another, but hopefully the wife don't listen to this because she don't know how many I've got. But um, but on my old Prime, um, I put a whole new set of strings on with that Cinem uh, press, and it worked just fine. And yeah. and that those old and that was the old Prime cams. The the newer ones are a lot easier to restring. Man, there was some tight spots i had to weave things through it was a pain and i was able to do it with that press yeah um but anyway you know if you've used it before that you have to physically pull the rope with your arm to get the bow to press and with my elite and my prime it's it i don't have to pull that hard it's not a big deal that botex got a ton of tension on them limbs yeah and it's it's different and that's why they're they have such good speed numbers because i think the limbs are preloaded so much that that's why they perform but it's also a lot of stress on the system it's a lot of stress on the system and i mean i have a lot of buddies locally that 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 own some like the boss they own the uh cpxl the 360 that sort of stuff and they've shot them very very well but they will tell you that they are brutal if you're not careful just because there's just yeah. a lot of tension on the system preloaded. But I want to go back to your bow press. I didn't know this is complete tangent. Yeah. I put this in the notes. Be ready for a tangent. So yeah. for people at home, and this is even cooler because you could take the cinnamon. For those of you who don't know what a cinnamon bow press is or a portable bow press in general, remember that a bow press, the whole idea is that you got to push the limbs on the tip just like they would flex when you're shooting the bow. And so a cinnamon press is a bunch of pulleys, basically, with fingers on them, L-shaped brackets on the end. You put the L-shaped brackets on the outside of the limb. You use the pulley and the rope system, and it has a locking mechanism, a cinch locking mechanism, and you can effectively press your bow just like the bow is being shot, just like if you suck it in an easy green press uh, or or um, a spike press or a boa, a boa constrictor press or even uh, another portable press like the Bowmaster or the Bow Medic. And so... You're the first person I've ever actually met that has actually used the Cinnamon Press. Now, I have a Bowmaster that I used for years. But in terms of people at home that want to work on their own equipment, would you 100% recommend the Mm -hmm. Cinnamon? Because I forget what those about run. Are they about 70 bucks? It's 100. 100 bucks. It's 100. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But still, you've been able to press all these different bows, do all your work at home. Well, I have two of them. And the reason is is that the standard one works great for your regular um, single cam bows like the that Elite. And even my old Prime where it's the uh, quad, I call it a quad cam, they call it dual cam, whatever. It's There's two cams on top, yeah. two cams on bottom. The, the old, more narrow-fingered Cinem would work for that, but it was, it was like almost touching both cams on both sides. Um, but then I've got it, but when I got the CT, it's a lot wider stance and the, it's a lot beefier. So I called them again, customer service with them was great. Good people. Um, and, uh, and they're like, and I asked them cause they had a, a wider, um, brand, but I didn't know if it worked cause specific on the website, it said it would work for Matthew's Halon cut. Right, I was going to guess it was going to go for the Halon series, which was kind of the start of that super wide. Yeah, and again, they are one that I sent an email to, and they called me back real quick, and was like, yep, that'll work just fine. We've got multiple people that use it. And um, yeah, it's a great option. Um, I mean, whenever I started this whole deep dive into bows and stuff and and archery, um, I didn't know a thing 
Um, so now being able to twist cables and, and strings to fix a, a, a rotated peeps pretty fantastic. So it used to be really frustrating. Right. Like, gosh, because my nearest bow shop's like 50 minutes away, or at least the nearest place I trust. Right. So. Right. Yeah, and, and um, this is something that I get a lot of people asking questions about, about doing their own bow work at home if it's possible to do one of these portable presses without blowing anything up. Yeah. And um, I've always, I've recommended like the, there's the Nighthawk press. Of course there's the Bowmaster and the bow medic, but I've never really been able to recommend the cinnamon because I've never actually known anybody that's able to eat, that actually own one. <laughs> yeah. So I'm adding it. John Highcamp from Indiana. I'm adding it to my list of recommended presses. And if it blows up on somebody, I'll send them your okay. email. But that's cool. So do you have it? So I'm guessing then you would probably have intentions of taking that to Colorado yes. in the event. Yeah, because it's it probably can fit in a, you know, in a very small. Oh. I mean, you could probably put it in, in a gallon bag. Oh, just throw all the tie everything up. Roll in a wrap you and, could fit it in the sandwich bag. Oh, my. Yeah. So that's that's fantastic, because yeah. I've I've often, you know, thrown my Bowmaster just in the glove box, you know, mm -hmm. but it's all steel cable. Yeah. You know, so you got to watch it. You can't be throwing that in your bow case because it'll nick up your strings. Yeah, in a heart. And I'm sure. And I looked at that one that you're talking about. Um, and, but just something about the vertical. Uh, it, it just didn't seem as secure as the cinnamon. And yeah. the cinnamon. Whenever I got it and I looked and I used it the first time, I just looked at the thing. And I'm like, this is one of those things that it took a genius because it's so simple. Like it's just, it's it's. I mean, you look at it and you can quickly be like. Oh, I see why this works, and it works great. Right. So that's the kind of stuff right. I like. It's stuff that works, and it's really simple. So, which is not the prime bow, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a totally different bow, totally different, uh, totally different scenario. Yeah. So I want to I want to shift gears here. So we've talked about the the arrow, the victory vap thing. I think, and I think, by the way, I think you've got an awesome setup for elk. Uh, coming to September. I think that's that's just going to be absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Love the bow choice. Of course, love the Elite. The Option 7, I will agree, as being an Elite guy, um, that was one of the bows that I wasn't 100% in love with the first time I shot it. So I'm glad that I'm I'm not alone in that regard. Yeah. Although it was still a very, as you said, it just keeps it just keeps tack driving. Yeah. But for some reason, it just didn't, I didn't agree with it, but it just shot amazing. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, that's, that goes to show you that yeah. a lot oftentimes it's the, uh, it's the archer. It's not the bow. Yeah, and but I want to shift into, oh. no, go ahead. I was just going to say, we, no, go we got off on the, the bow press thing too. Um, this would be kind of a yeah. warning to people that do buy used bows, but it's not at your draw length. Um, not that I don't like bow, yeah. because I do, but whenever I, he had it and he had, their draw mods, so he couldn't easily change it. It's not like Zabotech okay. or something. Um, and um, but I shot it at 28, and that was one of the reasons I bought it. Is it was just buttery smooth on the draw, and it felt fantastic. Back wall, you know. I mean, I love how people say elite's got the best back wall. I'm like, dude, it's a draw stop. Like, it's gonna have a put in. Yeah. It's a draw. limb stop. Yeah, or, yeah. It's not. They're che stop. they cheat a little bit. Yeah. I mean, everyone's like, oh man, it's so amazing. I'm like, it, it just it's limb, man. I mean, that's why it's so good, it's solid. But I mean, it's, it, obviously, it's just personal preference. But anyway, um, yeah, I loved it, and I was like, well, I just needed it at my draw length, and I got the mods for it, and all of a sudden that that draw cycle got a lot more radical than it was at 28 inches. 
Um, one thing with that bow, if anyone's out there has got one and they kind of are facing the same thing as me with, um, they, they like how it shoots, but they want the draw cycle to calm down, take two turns out of limb bolts, you're going to lose some poundage, but your draw cycle is going to soften up tremendously. Good tip. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. It, See? Well, somebody's got the Tiger King things plastered on their car. Sorry. That was different. <laughs> Carol. Anyway, <laughs> but I would, so I'm going to shift. So speaking of the tiger King, the biggest predator in the wood right now is a saddle hunter. And that's where I want to go to now because you're, you've, you're, you've taken the dive into the land of saddle hunting. At least if I remember, if, if I'm thinking correctly, you've just started to take the dive into saddle hunting. Why did you decide to do that? Because I know Indiana, at least, and, and we, we talked prior to the podcast as well. Indiana is not like a big public land state. Like go, you're not going two, three miles in on Indiana public land because there's like, I think there's, and I, I, I'm going to probably quote this number wrong and I shouldn't because I'm a public land guy in PA, but there's like a million acres of public land in Pennsylvania. It's insane how much public land we have here. Wow. And I know because my good buddy, Derek Craig from New Day Outdoors, it's all private in Indiana. Am I right? It's, it's just like, there's no public land. So as someone who hunts, as someone who hunts private, and can have set tree stands and this, that, and the other thing. Why the saddle? Um, the saddle, for one thing, whenever I seen on different videos, I was like, that is the coolest system I've ever seen. And and I always, um, I always set my uh, stands up to make sure that I can get the shot, no matter how uncomfortable or odd it is. Um, and that it, it just seemed like the range of motion that you'd have to get a better shot was fantastic. And um, the the I hunt my father-in-law's woods primarily now, um, but the the problem that we had there is there was there's too many deer, and um, any if I was carrying in like a climber and I only he's got like 40 acres and I've got like eight stand spots I don't have enough I'm not gonna I don't want to buy eight um different hang on stands for that so i i was carrying in climbers and it was going through thick brush and getting close to bedding areas i was spooking things out and stuff like that so um when it, whenever i'd hike back to get to my spots a lot of times i was walking a half mile just to get where i wanted to be at the back of the property um and and it's having the, the saddle i it's kind of a I really I was just more curious anything probably like the tree stands are completely um obviously you know tree stand will work and stuff um and I've got again I've got a collection of those but um to be everywhere I wanted to be that was because there's so many different spots depending on the wind where I'd want to be around there um I would I was like man it would just be awesome to have this one lightweight system that I carry in three sticks with me and wear it in and it's it's not like I've got a ton of bulk on my back because I'm not and I'm not necessarily worried about sweat I mean well part of it is sweating honestly because I've got a bad problem with getting cold whenever it gets to be late season yeah but but, um anyway so that that is a benefit but I'm not worried about do put in the work the sweat would be the main concern there but um but yeah, it's just a lot more sleek and easy, and you can you can get up and down the tree a lot quieter without all the extra, you know, swinging. A, even I, I've got a lone wolf stand. It's a great stand. 
fantastic stand. Um, more comfortable than you'd think it would be. Um, but still, when you pull that thing off of your back and swing it over on the tree and strap it and, and do everything you got to do, um, if you're wanting to, if you're wanting to set 20 yards from a bedding area, it's pretty tough to do that without really setting them off. And I think the, the saddle, you can be a lot more stealthy on your way up because once you're at the top and you get that little platform set, which this is how new I am. I haven't even bought the platform yet. I just got the saddle. So, yeah, so that was more or less, I, I bought a lot of curiosity, but there's so many things about it that I liked. And because I've been out to Colorado three times unsuccessfully for mule deer, and the spot that I'm familiar with isn't an open area where you can glass, but we've had trail camera pictures of just huge studs. Um, that would be something I would love to try that for muleys. Obviously, we talked about I'm going to go out for elk later on this season um, or later on this year. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was one thing I thought for that. And um, a, one of my other buddies that I hunt with, he's, he kind of has been watching a lot of the YouTube guys and, and the um, hunting public guys. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you want to go down south and do some public land? And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. So if I do, that's definitely the setup I'm taking. So, yeah, I just I was really curious about the saddle because a lot of people um, that I get comments on videos and 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 whatnot, they're like, "Ah, oh, saddle hunting's only for those guys that hunt public land or those guys that go in deep, right?" They're like, "I don't need that super treat, you know, that lightweight tree diaper, you know, stuff." And more and more people I meet are are more and more people like you, where they're they're like, you know, I'm tired of lugging a 20 to 30 pound climber or unless they have a really expensive climber like a lone wolf or xop or, or something like that a summit open shot something like that it's lighter yeah they're still like i'm tired of lugging this thing if it's a climber you got to pick the right tree uh because yep. you can't have any branches in the way or you're going to be doing something super sketchy and you know a lot of people are starting to figure out that if you have free hung stands on private and you do that two three four five years in a row sure you might continue to be successful uh, but you might not continue to be successful on bigger class deer. They're going to figure it out. They're going to pattern you. You're going to have to be more mobile, even on your more private land situation. And I don't know. I mean, when you get your platform, you'll have to shoot me a message and let me know how comfortable it is compared to a to a tree stand. Because for me, you know, I have a bad back. And I've said this before on podcasts and videos. I can't do a tree stand anymore. Like I can't sit in a chair for extended periods of time without some serious back discomfort. So for a saddle, for me as a public land guy, 100% makes sense, but it's cool to hear you as a private land guy also using it for the exact same reason, because you know, you need to be just as mobile as I do on public land. Yeah. And, and part of the reason why I'm looking forward to that this fall is because like I said, I, I've got my father-in-law's woods that I hunt. And and for the guys out there, there are pure public land guys. I mean, in Indiana, the best hunters don't always get the best bucks. It's whoever's got the spots that have the deer. That's right. just how it is. Um, and the guys that are dedicated knock on tons of doors. I happen to be lucky. I met one person that had some acreage down south where I got my biggest box so far. And then whenever I got married, hey, my father-in-law happened to have 40 acres and the prime spot in the our county where we live at where all the big ones are killed so i'm like huh well that's that's good sounds so, like uh, but yeah anyway, sounds like mobility is yeah. needed there <laughs> yeah exactly but anyway it's it's a 40 acre square which don't sound very big and it's surrounded by corn but it's really super thick 
So I've got at least eight different spots in there, depending on the wind and pictures and everything where I'd like to be. And I don't want to have to hang eight stands before the season starts. Some guys would like say, oh, eight stands ain't that big a deal, but I don't know. I'm, a, I'm also like you. We're real similar frame. I'm like 6'3", 215. Um, a cheap stand is really not comfortable for me. No, it's, it's really not. Yeah, and, and, and that's where um, I, I had at one point I had a Summit Viper, and it was, it was really comfortable except for the front bar hit my knees. I, it was – my knees were, my legs were hitting the front bar of it, and it was, it was just not working. So there's just pre- typically the stands that I need to buy to be able to sit for three plus hours and be comfortable are the stands that cost money. And right. um, and I and I bought like a lightweight Millennium 100, super comfortable stand, great stand, but also having to move that thing out, out and around, and it, it's I haven't bought the strap thing. It's got if anyone has a millennium, they know that the hang on parts of a train and like this, this block that you put on that weighs almost as much as the stand by itself. Um, and it's, it's not quiet and it's, I've busted, I don't know how many bedding areas trying to move that thing right. from my nights, my evening stand to where I want to be in the morning and, and stuff like that. So it's, it was kind of a combination of all those things. Um, and it might be one of those things that I might be like, it probably wasn't worth it. But one thing I found reassuring when I looked online, the saddles hold their value. So if you invest in one and you don't like it, you could probably sell it for like twenty dollars less than you pay for it. Right. So that's right. There you go. So John, I have a question for you then, uh, or two part question really. The first question is, what saddle did you purchase? Because you don't have the platform yet, but you do have a saddle. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, when it comes to saddle hunting, a lot of people have a lot of uh, hesitation when it comes to either the money or potentially the safety concern, you know, cause you're just hanging off a rope. Did you, so first of all, I answer the question of what's out did you get? And then the second question, did you have any hesitation jumping into the saddle world? Um, yeah, the saddle I got was the, um, the phantom, which is what tethered, right? Yeah. Okay. So I got the tethered phantom and again, you were actually, the main reason I went with the Phantom over the Kestrel Flex, which is what I was looking at initially, because like we talked before, my main issue with tree stands has always been um, comfort with me being as tall as I am. And um, so with the, the looking at a uh, saddle, one thing I did notice repetitively is people talked about how surprisingly comfortable they were, um, which was great. But also I was not looking to originally I wasn't looking at tethered because they'd go with a super lightweight saddle. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. and I was like, I don't need that. I just want something that's going to be comfortable up in the stand. So that's why I was going over to what uh, arrow hunter right? yeah, with mm-hmm. Kestrel flex because mm-hmm. they had the original Kestrel, but then the flex just seemed like it was the most comfortable thing out there. So I was, I was, I almost ordered that thing like three or four times. Um, and I can't tell you why I didn't order that one yeah. first, honestly. And then, but then, but then, um, I seen some kind of teaser videos on YouTube about the Phantom and then, um, you did your review on it and stuff. And all that made a lot of sense as to why that might be more, even more comfortable than the flex. Um, and I, I, I am nowhere near a, a, a saddle expert, obviously. So I'm not going to one versus the other, 
Um, oh, another guy that's awesome on YouTube is the DIY sportsman. Oh, love um, Garrett. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, that guy is great. Um, if you're someone who likes the numbers, um, it's a little monotone. He kind of sounds like an economics professor. But um, I mean, he is an engineer, that, so. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, and it, you can tell. But but the great guy and you, yeah if you're someone who ever gets into numbers or just wants to figure out what matters out there he's just awesome yeah but anyway um I messaged him on kind of the difference and he's like he t- basically told me I couldn't go wrong with either one um but yeah but he did say for the arrow hunters he said that the flex was the most comfortable saddle because of how it how it works um. But anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of why I went with the Phantom because of the adjustments that you can make and um and to to get to that comfortable spot. And it it just made a lot of sense to me that not every tree is going to feel the same, and that you're probably going to want to adjust that on for different situations or even for comfort wise. After you, maybe I again I've I've put it in a tree once before. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have time to really play with it, but I could see where you're sitting for a while. And at one spot and you decide you want to shift to try to change where the pressure's at and you just move that thing. So that way maybe you can get more sit time out of it. Right. Move the comfort channel up or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that made sense to me. So that was kind of why I went with it. And as far as safety goes, that this is another thing that was in the back of my mind. I think it's a lot more safe than a tree stand is. Um, I've had many a times where I found a spot, I found a really nice, tall tree and i've got it's perfect for a climber I'm like man i'm gonna just get up there as high as i can and before i realized that i'm 30 feet yeah i'm like whoa i'm way up here and um and with the the one stands i've got two um one was an xop it's like an open front yeah and the other the this um the summits i don't feel i i can go about as high as i can and just with that little rail gives you a sense of uh, security, but right. with an open front stand, you get 30 feet up or I've had, I've had hang-ons that high and, um, and man, yeah, you want to talk about you stand up like you're going to take a shot and feel like, Oh, if I, if I lose my balance at all, though, I mean, in theory, it's like the same as standing on the ground, but yeah, it's, it just did not feel great. Um, where, where it got to the point that I'd even take my harness and tighten it up. So that way, whenever I, I'd, I'd, uh, stand up i'd lean forward a little bit to get tension on the harness because it made me feel more secure than just standing with the the harness at slack which i don't know if that's necessarily right smart or indifferent that's why well that's something you know Um, and i'll tell you that's something that i always struggle you know i'm also a big guy right you know i'm six four two ten two fifteen um you know when i get up at a tree i don't have a fear of heights but i know how hard it fear when if I fall out of this tree, I'm gonna. It's not gonna be fun, you know. And the further I get up, the more momentum I'm gonna get. Velocity going towards the ground. And yeah. when I I hunted out of climbers for years, I had an old mm-hmm. gorilla climber, and um, I did that bars a little bit. Of, yeah, that bars a little bit of security, yeah. right? You feel like you're encased. And then a couple of years ago, when I got my first like hanging hunt set up with the XOP Vanish. It was so nice, the lightweight and everything, but oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I literally felt like I was sitting on a bump on a tree. Like I just, yeah. I literally, I shot all of my deer sitting down out of that tree. Yeah. I did not stand up because I did not feel comfortable. And it wasn't XOP's fault. You know, sure, the platform's a little bit smaller and I got 12, 12 and a half size feet and everything. But that same, it's funny you bring up that tightening of your standard four point tether, you know, the strap that comes off your back. 
I would do the exact same thing where it would be tight when I'm sitting and I would feel the pressure on, the, on my back when I was sitting. And then when I stood up, I would kind of lean into it a little bit just so I, I had this constant, okay, if I slip, I'm going to be yeah. caught. I never felt like I was comfortable just leaving it super. Like when I see people on YouTube or television and they got this big loop hanging off of their back shoulder strap, yeah. you know, and, and they could fall like a foot and a half. Oh my goodness. That's worse than an amusement park ride. That's just, Oh no, sir. Yeah. So that for me, and it's cool that, you know, that you have the same experience. I, I feel so much more uh, connected. I mean, that's a terrible pun, mm-hmm. but I feel so much more connected to what's going on. Like I never feel unstable in a saddle. Like I feel very confident the whole time I'm there. Whereas in a tree stand, I feel like if I'm shifting or if I stand up and spin, I got to really be cautious so I don't have an accident and need to use my lifeline. But I'm assuming, I mean, you're probably, and you are feeling the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So the, the idea of constantly being, having tight tension to this, to the tree if anything, that seems a lot more safe than your traditional tree right. stand. Um, right. I think guys could argue the fully enclosed climbers if you wore a, a harness with those. But even still, I, I, I think you would prefer the, um, the saddle. And plus, I mean, if you get in a situation like we were talking where maybe you get way up in the tree and then you want to sit from a seated position – well, you know how deer are. You can have it all planned out. Here's where they bed. Here's where they're going to feed. Wind's great. And they come on the opposite side. Right. And if you want to shoot, you got to stand up, turn. And as you're doing it, you're shaking, you're sweating, you're, you're worrying about falling as you're trying to get that shot. And now all of a sudden that, that tethers in your way and it's right. in your front, in front of you. And hey, you've got a bow in your hand and a, a there's a million little things that could take that 20 yard shot and put it in the dirt. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it it just made a lot of sense to me from that standpoint. So I guess in the beginning, when you asked me why I went to saddle, I was kind of having a hard time answering it. But as we talk, I'm kind of answering my question at long form. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's, and that's good. I think, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of, either positive or negatives with people on the fence when it comes to the saddle they're like oh it's a fad you know it's a thing you know people forget that john eberhardt has been hunting out of a saddle for like 30 years like 40 years like saddle hunting has been a thing but now we have the technology and the ability to make make saddle hunting so much safer and so much lighter and so much more adaptable you know that the phantom you know i've had people in the in the phantom from the 31 inch waist, I'm like a 36, 37, from like a 31 inch waist up to over 40 in the same stinking phantom. And they're just as comfortable, right? A little bit of tether adjustment, a little bit of bridge adjustment, and they're perfect. You can't get that at every single tree stand in particular. Like I, one of my good buddies, Nate Fry from the Budget Sportsman, he and I go back and forth before we did the saddle mm-hmm. thing on what's an acceptable tree stand platform size you know how i like my foot tucked in i like my foot sitting out on the outer edge well with the saddle you have infinite adjustability forget the lightweight part it's 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 something that your tree stand could never accomplish and something that with a little bit of time and effort you can fine-tune your skill no matter if you've been doing this for six months or 60 years so i think that's that's something that a lot of people I don't think I understand. So I'm glad that you, that you brought this up that, you know, you're very comfortable with it. You know, even, even though they are more expensive than a tree stand, I think for those of us that don't feel comfortable at 15, 20, 25 feet in the air, we're kind of like panicking 
that putting yeah. in a saddle is actually making us more confident in a tree. I know it did for me. It's made me so much more mm-hmm. confident. And I've been a tree stand dweller my entire life and never once yep. spawn stock. So I'm glad yep. that that's, that's been such a positive experience. And I hope you get the Predator, man. The Predator platform is just like the bee's knees. Yeah. It's not even, to me, it's not even a competition. I've stood in them all. Now, other manufacturers make some great platforms, but that Predator, uh-huh. the modularity, mobility, how it folds, yeah. how it packs. It's just, I really like it. Yeah, the only other one I've looked at, and I think I was going to, so maybe you might talk me again. You talked to me into a lot of purchases you didn't know about. (laughs) but um, Or your wife. Yeah. yeah, Don't tell her. Really? Yeah. Like, don't don't tag my Facebook or Instagram in this. She can't find me. She's good. Um, She's good. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah, it was, I think it was a Ridge Runner, right? Is is that a limb? Yep, out on a limb makes the Ridge Runner and the yeah. uh, well, they make the Scout now, which is a stick form, and I can't remember the other one. But yeah, that's the other one. It's either the Predator or the Out on a Limb. They make a okay. couple different ones. Um, yeah, and that one was heavier, but it it was wider. Yeah. So I kind of thought for me that it it because again, it's the saddle was the weight savings is a great ancillary benefit. But if the thing weighed twenty pounds, I'd still use it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. for all the reasons we stated before. Um, and plus, I'm used to carrying a 25 keck. What What was the gorilla that you had, the climber? I had the exact same one my parents bought me in high school as a Christmas yeah, present. Yeah, I think I bought yeah. mine at like 16. I think yep. it was something like that for like 100 bucks at Walmart, something like that. And I got it because yeah. it folded flat. I was used to the old, original, old man tree stands that folded flat, the old steel and aluminum. I still love the old man. Around. I'll tell yep. people the like people like the summits and everything. Those are good, but they don't fold flat. Yeah. And that was mm-hmm. something that always bugged me backpacking up through the hills here in particular, where mountain laurel and stuff, you can't get the summit through there a lot of time. Well, anyhow, yeah, I think my when I weighed it last, it weighed twenty eight and a half pounds for that mm-hmm. fully loaded steel um gorilla climbing tree stand. And now yeah. my whole pack, everything, rangefinder, binoculars, water, snacks license knife cutting gloves the whole thing weighs less than 21 pounds right so that used to be that on top of well sands the sticks and the platform but so another 12 pounds of gear on top of a 27 and a 28 pound tree stand you're larry you're carrying 40 pounds into the woods and and you haven't even shot the deer yet so (laughs) you know yeah you know so the weight when i when i went to saddle hunting it just blew my mind i was like i've been killing myself yeah. going out into the woods and this is well, even going even taking the first baby step by going to uh, a lightweight hang on you know if you're not comfortable with the saddle mm-hmm. even there the weight savings is tremendous even if you're somebody like yeah. you you know you're not you don't have to go that far on private but half miles a half mile and yeah. out here in pa or if you live you know anybody listening who lives in a mountainous terrain a half mile is not as a crow fly and yeah. so that's that's why I, I did that switch and and the weight savings alone to me was 100 yeah. percent worth it for all that and for you you know yeah. it'll help you as well in your private land hunts yeah and for me i mean it like i talked before the the woods itself isn't that big but i at least got eight different stand locations and it's just so much easier to be mobile with something right. like that than um and, and like you said the climbers are great but you need the perfect tree and certainly right. it's not it's not easy. And if I was to really invest in a, a hang on stand that I know that I liked, and I, if I had to get eight of them, then we're a lot more money than the saddle right. really quick. Right. So, 
yeah i mean tree stand tree stand and it's not tree stands will work you'll go out you're you can if oh, yeah. you plan things out you're gonna get your deer i mean it being almost every deer and the books is killed out of a tree stand um at least in the midwest i mean obviously different when you go out west but um but yeah but for me for what i wanted to do the saddle just kept making a lot of sense yeah so and if i really like it this year i'm probably gonna have that lone wolf for sale and that millennium for sale because yeah. <laughs> i don't use them anymore i know i i keep i had somebody ask me the other day if i'm gonna ever sell my vanish max would be vanish and i was like yeah I, i'm not one to sell actually yeah. ironically literally just this week i sold that gorilla climber that i've had did you really? i did okay. i did i'm never gonna i mean i haven't used that thing in almost six years it's just yeah. sitting in my shed collecting spider webs and there's somebody yeah. out there who probably could use it it was in good shape someone who can yeah. use it better than me i killed a lot of deer out of thing had a lot of nostalgia with it but there's yep. a time when place for for things to uh to be done yep. running their course and it was done running yeah. its course. got my right. first deer out of the same thing so yeah 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 the only problem of... i had with it is i've got awkwardly wide hips and it got narrow right yeah. at the end yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah you, heavy clothes or even um i could certain harnesses that would have buckles right on the sides like that i would wear the summit the harness that came with my summit stand yeah and the plastic big plastic buckle that was on the side would always hit so if i was wearing that harness um and i had that tree stand i couldn't stand up i just have to shoot sitting down because yeah. it would make noise <laughs> you make a lot of noise up. i could never use a hand muff out of it yeah, because I, um, I mean, yeah. again, we're big dudes. We're kind of anomalies in in yeah. the in a lot of ways. But yeah, like that. That's again another thing. I was just I was cramped, and I one I stood one time. I used a buddy's open shot, some an open shot climber, and mm -hmm. I could not do that. Like climbing a tree with my back completely exposed, with no real lineman's belt, because you can't really run a lineman's belt. You can you have to tether yourself off the top. And oh man, I got about four feet off the ground. I said, no, 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 no. This is never happening again. And, and uh, I mean, people <laughs> can beat me up for safety, but realistically, if you're in a climbing tree stand, how many people really tether all the way up? I oh did. yeah. I never did until about, well, until I had kids about five, six years ago. And I was like, yeah. you know, I probably should come home alive. You know, I'm married. You know, like it wasn't the marriage, you know, it was the kids. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah, like, I should. She'll, she'll figure it out without me. But she'll be fine. She's good. But now I got, you know, now I got two little girls. And, and yeah, so that's when I started about five years ago. And so now yeah. with the saddle in particular, you can't, you can't, you can't mm -hmm. be unsafe. You have to be stupid yeah. to get in trouble. And so that's, that's another big thing. And I, I, and another advantage, I think in that regard, but yeah, but anyway. and the boys from tethered have posted the videos of, it almost seems impossible to fall out of the saddle right. the way that they're hanging upside down and all right. sorts of stuff. I'm like, I will not be doing that at 20 feet. So no, no. And, and a lot of people forget too, is that this is the type of stuff that rock climbers and arborists. Mm -hmm. Now it's not the exact same harness setup, obviously, but it's yeah. very close. And those people are literally doing that daily as their job. Well, at least the arborists are. They're climbing trees with a chainsaw with that type of gear on. Yeah. So I think I think yeah. people forget a lot of that. And it's nice and reassuring to know as a beginner. Yeah, heck, I'm just really a beginner. I've been only doing it. It must be my second season. I started with a DIY mm -hmm. sit drag last fall, last summer. So, yeah. you know, even I'm new to it. So it's it's always a constant piece of reassurance knowing that when I'm just hanging there by a piece of rope that I'm really okay. I'm actually probably more secure than I was in the tree. Yeah. 
And I mean, the the way I look at it is you could say you're hanging there by a piece of rope. Yeah, but you're also hanging there by a piece of rope that's rated for like 2,000 pounds. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, just as much as a steel cable and 20 times yeah. more efficient <laughs> and a lot less yeah, exactly. rough on you when you brush up against it at least. So Yeah, exactly. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today, man. I could not be yep. more tickled. Thank you so much for talking elk talking uh broadheads and foc and bow setups thank you so much the saddles has yep. been fantastic hope indiana's season is very successful uh as well as that over counter the elk man if you get something i yep. expect pictures i need pictures if you shoot okay. something uh Sounds but anyway, any uh, social media plugs that we need to follow as a general public or is it all private for you not yet yeah okay it's, i'm just making sure private. Some people I about making some videos. I actually did my own research on clocking arrows and, and did yeah. groups of 30 yards and measured the the spacing and stuff. And I got an Excel spreadsheet and I thought about doing a video on YouTube about it. Um, uh, the, cause with the rogue strings, the, the arrows naturally clock to the right. Yeah. And I shot better groups with it going the other way. <laughs> so, oh really? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was funny. So it, and it's I, a wash. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's not like it's not like okay. Well, now I gotta fletch them all to the left to go off opposite. I'm like, no, yeah. it was just me. But, but still, be, it'd be it'd be worth a good video. It'd be worth yeah. a good video. We'll plug it. We'll plug it. Yeah, I, yeah. If I if I ever do put it out there, that'd be great. But yeah, the um, but I even like the I would rotate from right uh right helical left helical right so that way it wasn't like I'm shooting three and then shooting three more right right and things like that and i did it over the course of a week so that way it's not i, I tried to make it you know as, as good as i could being a human so right, right. But yeah yeah and there was a couple other things so but yeah yeah we'll we make really, it we'll plug it man yeah make it yeah, we'll I'll, plug it I'll have, to. I'll have to and then hopefully if uh if you keep doing this when i get back from september i might be able to talk to you about it again so, oh yeah if you're you know, successful we're hearing the story like this is yeah. this is this is not yeah if you're, yeah we'll all just sit there and go oh my gosh he shot it out yes yeah, it's, it's gonna happen it's gonna happen yeah no if if i'm unsuccessful there'll probably be more uh, valuable content from that well, that's than true if we can get one that's true but well yeah, anyway it's, it's, yeah appreciate it well anyway thanks folks for tuning in to this episode of the average jack archery podcast again if you know someone or if you yourself want to be on the podcast please average jack archery at gmail.com as well as average jack archery facebook instagram and youtube hope you have a really good day remember to enjoy the sport of archery archery hunting if you so choose definitely enjoy god's beautiful creation and we'll get to see you next time